Hello, and welcome to Field Notes, the weekly podcast of the Military Fellowship Center in Jacksonville, North Carolina, serving Marines stationed at Cap Lejeune and surrounding areas. Military Fellowship Center is a ministry of Military Evangelism Incorporated. Our speaker and host for the program is Dave Mason, the General Director of Military Evangelism and the Field Director at Jacksonville. Visit us on the web at militaryfellowshipministry.com or email us at militaryfellowshipctr at gmail.com. Now, here's Dave Mason. Welcome back to Field Notes. We are in John chapter 7, Jesus preaching at the Feast of Tabernacles, and we pick up this week in verse number 25. Then said some of them of Jerusalem, Is this not he whom they seek to kill? But lo, he speaks boldly, and they say nothing unto him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is the Christ? Howbeit we know this man, whence he is, but when Christ comes, no man knoweth whence he is. Then cried Jesus in the temple as he taught, saying, You both know me, and you know whence I came. And I am not come of myself, but he that sent me is true, whom ye know not. But I know him, for I am from him, and he has sent me. Then they sought to take him, but no man laid hands on him, because his hour was not yet come. And many of the people believed on him, and said, When Christ comes, will he do more miracles than these which this man has done? The Pharisees heard that the people murmured such things concerning him, and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while, and I am with you. And then I go unto him that sent me. You shall seek me, and shall not find me. And where I am, there you cannot come. Then said the Jews among themselves, Where will he go that we will not find him? Will he go unto the dispersed among the Gentiles and teach the Gentiles? What manner of saying is this that he said, You shall seek me and not find me, and where I am, there you cannot come? Well, today we're looking at the last things Jesus says to the crowd at the Feast of Tabernacles before the great prophecy he's going to make about the coming of the Holy Spirit. Now, the crowd that Jesus has been talking to is now angry. Because the Jerusalem crowd has overheard what he said to the out-of-towners previously, and they join in. And now they're trying to trap Jesus and lay hands on him. Now Jesus is only going to make two short statements during this time, but they speak volumes about the state of a religious man. You know, the only time in the entire Bible that the phrase religion is looked on in favorable light is in James 1.27 when it says, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. That verse alone teaches us that God sees most religion as impure and defiled. People always think I'm being facetious, that I'm just trying to trick them into something when I tell folks that I meet that I don't like religion, that I'm not a religious person. I'm not a religious person. I have faith in Jesus Christ. That's not religion. Religion is a series of deeds and works that we do in order to please God. Faith in Jesus Christ understands that we cannot please God. There's absolutely nothing we can do to please God. Therefore, God sent His Son to die in our place. And by placing our faith and trust in Him, His righteousness is given to us. We don't have to be righteous in and of ourselves. We cannot be righteous in and of ourselves. Only the righteousness of Christ makes us righteous. Now, what we're going to learn this week is that many people know of Jesus, know about Jesus, 
but very few actually know him. This is a statement that's going to offend some people, but it's the truth. Many good, moral people are are headed straight for a sinner's hell because they let their sensibilities, they let their feelings get in the way of knowing the one true God and His Son, Jesus Christ. So John 7.25, Then said some of them of Jerusalem, Is this not he whom they seek to kill? But lo, he speaks boldly, and they say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is the very Christ? How is it that we know this man, where he's from? And when, But when Christ comes, no man knows where he's from. This is, in essence, powerless religion. You see, what's happening here is the common people are starting to question their leaders. The regular folk, the folks that aren't in power in the religious elite. And this happens constantly when a religious bureaucracy rules over the people. Those that are devout, as these people there at the feast are, and those people that study start to find problems with what they're being taught by the religious elite. And Jesus is preaching and teaching with an absolute authority that none of the rabbis have been teaching and preaching with. And the Jews aren't used to this. And folks today, many, many, many folks who think they're Christians are trapped in dead, mainline denominational, orthodox churches, and they find themselves in this same situation. If they're serious about serving God, they find themselves having problems with what the leaders are doing. They find themselves having problems with what the leaders are teaching. Because oftentimes in churches like that, the leaders are preaching and teaching things that keep them in power. See, a lot of folks today are just like the folks back then. They're trapped in ecclesiastical tyranny. We're filled in the Christian church today with pastors who demand authority and power without backing up their claims. And Jeremiah prophesied this perfectly in Jeremiah 12.10. Many pastors have destroyed my vineyard. They've trodden down my portion underfoot. They've made my pleasant portion a desolate wilderness. Jeremiah 23.1. Woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pastors, saith the Lord. Jeremiah 23.2. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of Israel against the pastors that feed my people, you have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doings, saith the Lord. You see, a lot of folks have been brainwashed into believing that Their particular church is the only church with the truth. That God didn't have the truth uh, for the church for the first few thousand years. Uh, That uh, it wasn't until the mid-1800s that God visited their specific prophet in upstate New York or their specific prophet in the south or their specific prophet out west. And and then they, they found the truth. Their, their God was powerless to have his church be true and full until, you know, a hundred years ago. And then there are churches that have been around since the beginning. Mainline, very orthodox, very high and mighty, lots of smoke and mirrors. And those churches, they're without power. And many of the folks in those churches are being told now to say, you're born again. Even though those churches have eschewed that phrase for years. They don't, they don't believe that. They believe that infant baptism saves you. 
But they're telling their people that when somebody who's an evangelical or a fundamental Christian, somebody who believes the Bible, starts talking to them, say, yes, I'm born again. But they, they, they understand that being born again means you were, had water poured over your head when you were a baby, and therefore you were born again. See, the problem is they don't want fundamental Bible theology to creep into their churches, because if they do, their folks will f- start to realize that the leaders haven't been teaching the Bible. They've been teaching the tradition of the church. The cults always have pat answers to your salvation and Jesus questions. But their religion is powerless, because religion is powerless. Religion cannot contact with God. And the mainline churches today that are washed of any spirit, of any any emotion, and the crazy, off-to-the-left, just over-the-top emotional churches are completely powerless, because they're professional not personal. And there's no point to what they're saying. Verse 28, Jesus cried in the temple as he taught, saying, You both know me, and you know where I came from, and I'm not come of myself, but he that sent me is true, whom you know not. But I know him, for I'm from him, and he has sent me. Verse 30, Then they sought to take hands to take him, but no man laid hands on him because his hour was not yet come. And many of the people believed on him and said, When Christ comes, will he do more miracles than these which this man has done? Well, verse 32 says, The Pharisees heard that. They heard that the people were murmuring such things concerning him, and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him to arrest him. We've had a powerless religion we just talked about. Now, let's talk about professional religion. The great point of this section of scripture is that the religionist has the truth available to him. Jesus says, look, I, I know who I came from, and, and you know who I am. You just don't want to admit to it. You're just not, at, you're not after the truth. Jesus tells these people, you know me. You know who I am. And the fact of the matter is, folks, everybody knows. Deep within their heart, they know. I can talk to you about God for an hour, but the minute I say the name Jesus, you'll get offended. Because people get offended by the truth. Every man knows the truth in his heart. Jesus is Lord. But man rebels against that truth because it convicts him of his sins. You see, true biblical Christianity is the only faith system on this earth that starts from the premise that man is a sinner, that man is born basically bad, that he needs a savior. Every other religion out there says that man's basically good, he's just forgotten his way, and he needs to reconnect with God. Well, if that's all that we needed, then why did Jesus have to die for our sins? You see, many people know of Jesus, very few actually know him. Jesus said this same thing back in John 5.40 to the religious leaders. He says, you will not come to me that you might have life. So why would a man want to preach Jesus but not personal faith in him? I think the greatest reason is unseen. I, and I know some folks are going to think I'm crazy for saying this because it's not popular today. It's, it, it seems a little off, but... I truly believe that every word of the Bible is true. Therefore, I believe that a third of the angels of heaven fell when Lucifer fell. They became demons. And I believe that just as there are angels 
There are guards, such things as guardian angels. Jesus said these little children have their angels guarding them, but watching over them, standing before the throne of God. Just as there are angels, there are demons. And I believe there is the demonic influence in many churches today. I really do. And I can back that up with scripture, because if you believe that the, the book of Revelation is chronologically accurate, then chapters 2 and 3 describe the church age. We're at the end of chapter 3 now. We're in the Laodicean age, church age, which is the neither hot nor cold church age. And we're waiting for chapter 4, verse 1, come up hither for the rapture. And Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 1, says, Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times, in these days that we're living in now, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of all them which believe and know the truth. And we have a big move in the church today. We have a big move, even in, even in evangelical circles, of folks trying to reintroduce the law into the faith of Christ. Trying to say you have to worship on a Saturday because Jesus never abolished the Sabbath. Wait a second, he said the Sabbath was made for man, not a man for Sabbath. When we have our Sabbath isn't important. It's just important that we have a Sabbath. There are folks out there who now are saying, you know, look, we we just can't eat pork because that's just wrong. We You can't eat pork or shellfish because the, the law says we can't do that. And yet Paul says commanding to abstain from meats is a sure sign of demonic influence. What about 2 Corinthians 11? Verse 3 and 4, listen to this. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so should your minds be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that comes preaches another Jesus whom we've not preached, or if you receive another spirit which you've not received, or another gospel which you've not accepted, you might well bear with him. Verse 13, listen to this. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it's no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Paul very clearly teaches that, especially in the end times, there are going to be a lot of charlatans. There's going to be a lot of men who come in the name of Christ, proclaiming some new thing. Proclaiming some wonderful new doctrine or, or, or ignoring doctrines. The most popular preacher in the nation today will not utter the word hell. Doesn't speak of it. Doesn't admit that there is a hell. Doesn't show, tell people that there are, there is a hell waiting for those who reject Christ. And so Jesus is insulting these Jews, these religious leaders. Because he announces to them, you don't even know the Father. <laughs> and that's something that needs to be said today. Some of the, some of the teachers today that are, that are teaching these false doctrines need to be confronted and just be told point blank, you don't even know the Father. You don't know the Father. He says, but I am not coming myself, but he that sent me is true, who you do not know. You don't know him. The modern religionist will not listen. 
They're offended when you talk of personal relationships with the Lord and no works salvation. There have to be works in order to be saved. Well, James doesn't say that we have to be, uh, we have to work in order to be saved. He says if we're saved, we'll work. And that's, that shows that we're saved. But it doesn't maintain our salvation. It doesn't create our salvation. It just shows that we're saved. Listen, many a good man, many a moral and just and honest and upright man is honestly going to a sinner's hell because they want their ears scratched instead of hearing the truth. That sounds hard. Well, life is hard. Life's not fair. And this is the way the world is. And because we don't like it, because it doesn't feel good to us, doesn't mean we can close our eyes to the truth. 2 Timothy 4.3 For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts, after their own lusts, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. You see, most of the folks who believed, even in Jesus' day, did so falsely. You start at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry in John chapter 2 at the very end. Many believed on him, but he did not commit himself to any of them, for he knew it was in the heart of men, and he didn't need any man to testify of him. He knew that these folks were only believing because they saw the miracles. You go over to Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says, Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. What's the will of the Father? Trust Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross and submit yourself to him and let him, let him save you. That, that's it. That's the will of the Father. It's not doing anything. It's just submitting. It's, it's surrendering. It's accepting the fact that Jesus paid the price for you. Jesus goes on in verse 22 and says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. So this is a professional religion that we have in many churches today. Little truth and nearly no heart to much of it. So what's the point? I mean, what's the point of even going to church if there's so little truth? I mean, I remember uh, a, a pastor years ago who quit his church because he ran out of things to preach on. I talked to a member of his church a few years later. They said one of the last sermons he ever preached of, he preached a sermon on the death of Princess Diana. Wonderful lady, not going to say anything disparaging about her, but does that belong in church? It could be an illustration, but a whole sermon? Please. You've got, how can you run out of things to preach? You've got 66 books of the Bible. W.A. Criswell started in Genesis 1 in 1945, and he finished in Revelation 22 in 1976. My goodness. And that was preaching three times a week through the Bible. You'll never run out of things to preach. So this professional religion we have in so many churches today, little truth, almost no heart. What's the point? We pick up back in our text. In verse 33, Jesus said, Yet a little while, and I'm with you, and then I go unto him that sent me. You'll seek me, but you'll not find me. Where I am, there you can't come. Then the Jews said among themselves, Where will he go that we not find him? 
And where will he? Where will he go? To, well, will he go among the dispersed, among the Gentiles, and teach the Gentiles? What manner of saying is this that he said, "You shall seek me, and shall not find me, and where I am, thither they you cannot come." So we've had Jesus speak about pointless, powerless religion and professional religion, and now we come to pointless religion. See, these Jews are so offended. These religious Jews are so offended. They want to arrest him. They want to arrest him. And today, we have groups. I mean, we have the ACLU, the Americans United for Separation of Church and State. We even have the National Council of Churches. And they're all trying to hog-tie the gospel and keep us from preaching the truth. Why weren't the Jews successful back then? The, 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 the Pharisees and the Sadducees, why weren't they successful in, in hog-tying the gospel? Why aren't these groups today successful in hog-tying the gospel? Why couldn't the temple guards arrest Jesus? I mean, they sent guards to him and they couldn't even get him. He just walked away from them. Because God ordains the times for these things. Jesus said, yet a little while. You don't have much time, fellas. <laughs> if you look at the timeline here, Jesus is going to die on the cross in about six months from the point of this Feast of Tower. I mean, we don't have much time here, fellas. A little while, I'm with you. You got a little while. You're going to have to make a decision. And those today who reject the gospel are in the same position. They don't have much time. Folks, the things going on in the Middle East, the things happening, the prophecy uh, that, that, that we're, we're just sitting at the edge of prophetic happenings right now. We, we've seen the Jews return to Jerusalem in, in, uh, return to Israel in 1948, return to Jerusalem in 1967. We've seen these things happen. We know we are right on the cusp. Jesus is coming back. And the folks you meet today may not get another chance. And the folks you preach to today, according to Second Thessalonians chapter 2, the folks you preach to today who reject Jesus, and if the rapture happens then, they are going to be sent a strong delusion that they might believe a lie. They will be damned because they rejected Jesus during the age of grace. So there's not much time. The day and hour is upon us. So we need to remember that a faith that doesn't lead us to reconcile with the Creator is pointless. We are all sinners, and that's a fact. So a faith that just makes you feel good. You walk out of church every Sunday feeling better about yourself. You didn't go to church. We are sinners. We have to come to the realization that we're wrong a lot of times. Most of the time, maybe. And we need correction. Paul said to Timothy, preach the gospel, reprove, rebuke, and then exhort. (laughs) Reprove. Show them where they're wrong. Rebuke. Tell them that they're wrong. And then exhort. Tell them to go on. Just like Jesus did with the lady caught in adultery. He goes, woman, where's your accusers? They're gone. He goes, neither am I going to accuse you. Go and sin no more. We're all sinners. That's a fact. Jesus said, you're going to seek me, but you're not going to find me. Why is that? Because they were seeking with the flesh and not the spirit. And a lot of folks now are doing the same thing. And you look at how upset they are with him in this. And you remember that many get offended by what's preached out of the Bible today. 
We have so many moves trying to, we have states trying to pass ordinances that if a pastor preaches against sexual sin that they can be charged with a hate crime. It's already law in, in some neighboring countries that if you preach that certain sexual acts, you know, if you preach that anything outside of the bonds of marriage between a man and a woman is, is, is sinful, that that's a hate crime all of a sudden. Hey, I say good. When folks start acting like that, good. It means they're offended because offending someone means that they've been confronted with the truth and they're being convicted by it. We just need to pray that those offended by our message will soften their hearts enough to let the truth in before it's eternally too late. Thanks for listening this week. Until next time, I'm Dave Mason. Thank you for joining us for Field Notes. If you have been blessed by the preaching and teaching you have heard, consider visiting our website at militaryfellowshipministry.com and click the Donate button. Any amount will be a great help to us as we continue to reach our men and women in the military with the gospel. Join us next week as we continue our study of God's Word. God bless you.